Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest on the program is Connie Chan, partner at Andreessen Horowitz. Connie joins us on the show to discuss challenges consumer technology companies are facing right now from distribution to mobile technology. In the process, she'll touch on the ways AI use cases in personalization and the consolidation of social media as marketing distribution channels will shape the future of consumer technology. Before we begin today's episode, our friends at Andreessen Horowitz would like me to note, the content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal business tax or investment advice or be used to evaluate any investment or security and is not directed at any investors or potential investors in any Andreessen Horowitz fund. For more details, please see a16z.com slash disclosures. Again, that's a16z.com slash disclosures. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connie. Connie, thank you so much for being with us on the program today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So we've seen a lot in terms of consumer technology in the past five years grow in tandem with artificial intelligence. Where do we stand right now in terms of the biggest challenges consumer companies face? Right. So I think the biggest challenge facing consumer companies is the same challenge that's been there pretty much for the past decade, which is distribution. Now, when the mobile phone, when the iPhone came on the scene with the App Store, that was game-changing for distribution of software. And today, the same problem remains for a lot of consumer companies, where you might create a fantastic product, a great user experience, but you still have to get that product and experience in the hands of a lot of people. And so companies and founders have been always constantly thinking about what are these new hacks around distribution, whether it's leveraging existing social platforms, whether it's using creators as a new channel to reach people instead of traditional Instagram ads or Google ads. But distribution is still by and large the big issue that lots of consumer companies need to face. In addition to distribution, when you step back and think about what products are interesting to build for consumers, the other tricky thing is because distribution is so fragmented now and so difficult to achieve for a lot of these consumer companies, consumer mindshare, consumer tastes are more fragmented than ever before. Right. 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 Like there is no it, clear Anna Wintour equivalent telling you these are the cool TV shows to watch. These are the songs that you should be listening to. This is the type of clothing you should wear. More and more consumer mm-hmm. taste is fragmented and timeshare is fragmented. The videos that people are watching are all over the place now, thanks to TikTok and YouTube. There's no consensus of clear, you know, content or culture that every single person is listening to. You see the musical instruments behind me. I can't tell you how much I think about these things from a pop culture perspective. But even when we're looking at the brass taxes economics and where we see it hit in the consumer space, I just want to put a finer point on the problem. There are too many distribution channels. That's basically what's disseminated from 2007 in the debut of the iPhone. Well, there are many distribution channels, but most of them are still not free. And so a lot of the new startups right. and consumer companies are, especially in this economy where you don't want to you know, just continue to raise capital. It's not that easy to do that. You have to think about what is the ROI of your marketing spend. 
And where can you get more efficient distribution, more efficient marketing? Make sure you can target your the right types of users. You don't want users that don't fit the demographic that you're targeting because they might churn quickly. And so your ROI might not be there. But when it mm-hmm. comes down to it, for consumer companies, we're trying to build things for lots of people, not just for a handful of customers, right? And so therefore, right. it's about figuring out how to distribute your products to those consumers. Of course. Something that I know they talk a lot about, you were mentioning TV shows before, but just just to kind of pick on on one media channel, albeit one in the news that that is making headlines, I'm sure folks out there have heard that streaming has gotten out of hand and the, it's entering a phase of media consolidation. We do see this as a more widespread trend around numerous internet media channels that we were talking about before, just in terms of, of the distribution. I think everyone's been feeling this from the dawn of mobile technology right up to the dawn of AI, that we had all of these options and now they're in so we've kind of gotten oversaturated market to a point. Not necessarily that, you know, the problem is necessarily, as I asked in, the, in my last question, that there's an overload of distribution channels. But do you see that consolidation where it's happening across different industries as perhaps a promising trend that could alleviate a couple of the problems in this space? You mean consolidation of? Of social media? What you- well, yeah, even even I, I know that's something we've kind of seen in the streaming space. You could argue even like, you know, what we've seen out of Twitter and, and, and Musk's takeover kind of represents a media consolidation of sorts. Those kinds of trends. Do you see that, you know, kind of in the broader macro economy yeah, that, well, well, I, that we're, we're not adding more channels, I guess, is for distribution yeah, is, I, I is kind of what I'm pointing to. I definitely agree that in the last couple of years, the large social platforms have realized the power of their traffic. They've realized right. the power of their distribution. And this kind of stems from another type of business model that I talk a lot about, which is called super apps, which is a business model that's very popular in China, where you'll mm-hmm. see one app that has large distributions start putting in ads or putting in call to actions for their users to try new features or tangential features, or maybe download a separate new app. And I think you will see more of that dynamic play out in the US where you see companies that realize, hey, I have a lot of traffic. If I want to launch a new feature, rather than have a completely new marketing agenda, why don't I leverage my existing assets to divert the traffic to try out new things? Indeed. The other question I want to ask there and will partly stumble into where data and AI come in in this is I anticipate to a point that personalization and everything we've seen in AI capabilities on that front probably has something to do with fighting the good fight in terms of knowing, you know, consumers' preferences and and at least on the front end. Does that give you any advantages in terms of trying to solve problems on the distribution side? Well, I, I think personalization stepping back is just a a phenomenon that I'm very excited about because it definitely mm-hmm. leverages AI and it is game-changing in terms of user experience. When I even think about something as basic as shopping, right? Shopping for clothing, mm-hmm. for example. If I could go to a, a website and tell them specifically I want a dress for a birthday party that's in the evening, in this temperature, colleagues will be there and it can spit something out, that would be game-changing in terms of 10x better than what I have today. And that level of personalization is something that AI could actually achieve. 
and we have yet to see on the consumer landscape. But even before we get to that, where it's directly personalized mm-hmm. to you, you even see phenomenons such as Timu or Shein or TikTok, where it's basically leveraging your existing browsing behavior or your shopping behavior to better recommend things for you, right? I compare and contrast that with something like Amazon recommendations, which is getting better, but I would still say is quite, quite far behind in terms of how relevant their recommendations are. Really? You would say that for, for Amazon? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if I compare that to some of the other e-commerce platforms I see in other parts of the world, it's still not personalized enough. Right, right, very. And they and they kind of, to a point, had a big hand in writing the book on personalization from, you know, even 10 to 15 years ago. But yeah. Part of it is because Amazon is a very search-based user yep. experience, right? And so anything that's traditionally search-based has a harder time pivoting to becoming more discovery-based. Discovery-based relies more on a news feed. It relies more on the platform feeding you things. An example I oftentimes give is if I walk into a Target or a Costco, I walk out with a lot more things than I plan to buy. Right, because you're just walking around. Right. And that's because of the aisles, the end caps. They were designed to inspire you to buy other things. And the online experience equivalent of that for Amazon just isn't there yet. Right. If I'm going in to buy soap or if I'm going in Mm -hmm. to buy a toothpaste or or cooking oil, whatever it is. It is very rarely triggering me or inspiring me to buy something else. Yes. And I I don't know if this is their relationship with logistics, but I've always likened it to I feel like I'm walking through an Ikea warehouse where that's where I see the display. Like everything's still in its box, still in its package. They don't care about making it look, I guess, quote unquote, sexy to me. It's just here it is if you want it on your way out, you know, kind of. (laughs) And and I love that Ikea example because anyone who's shopped there also knows that the showrooms are the complete opposite. The showrooms cause you to buy things that you didn't plan on buying. And that type of personalization or that type of product discovery, we have yet to see in full force in the U.S. Indeed. And I and I appreciate the acknowledgement of my Ikea metaphor, especially because I can't even think of a more curated, you know, in-person experience. And then uh, imagine if you apply AI to something like that, right? To, ah, where you I'm can sure say, like, <laughs> I want the exact kind of home office, this look and feel, this type of lighting, right? I want more nature. I want more wood or plants. And then it can spit out the exact type of furniture using all the traditional cookie cutter Ikea pieces. If they have a head of AI at Ikea and they're not looking into VR experiences, then I I, I don't know what kind of conversations they're having in their headquarters. But turning to where we see data enter into the consumer technology space and make a difference, particularly for those distribution challenges that you were mentioning. What do you see from your purview in terms of of where where data is coming in? I think data is very important. One, it just helps the platform deliver that personalization experience, right? Instagram, for example, their ads, I don't mind them because they're actually very relevant to things that I traditionally want to buy. And, And that's why my conversion for Instagram ads is so high. But I compare that to the ads I get on YouTube. I skip those all the time. Oh, right. Always. Yep. And it's really interesting to me how the personalization of ads differs so much already amongst these big social media giants and still has a lot of room to improve if you think about it in that sense. And I think the personalization for the ad experience, of course, is the very obvious one. 
But then there's also personalization when you think about adding an AI, how it can be applied to things like ed tech or personal wellness, social working out. There are a bunch of areas where we can apply more personalization using AI to create better user experiences that mimic more human type interactions. That gets me really excited. Well, tell us a little bit more about those, especially from the vantage point of where we might see these technologies go in the next five years. Sure. So, I mean, there are many sectors where I think this kind of conversational AI or just even a personalized AI-driven experience can be very game-changing. Very obvious ones are commerce and travel. Commerce because there's already naturally a transaction baked in and we already all have personalized views on things like fashion or jewelry or beauty or home decor or food or anything we buy really there's already personal taste naturally baked in so there's a need for personalization there's a built-in transaction a lot of these are categories where people are already very willing to purchase these things online through a technology experience versus needing to walk into that physical retail store so commerce is very obviously one that can be disrupted. Travel is another one we're really excited about. Travel where you're kind of looking for an itinerary that fits a certain budget, a certain time frame, the mode of travel, whether you have a car or if you're walking. Also something that's attached to a transaction has lots of data, lots of optionality and choice and can also benefit from personalization on top of that. And then on top of these two very obvious kind of transaction-driven categories, there's a bunch of service-related ones, whether it's ed tech, wellness, social, fitness, where you are looking for almost like a coach experience or a relationship type of experience where AI can deliver a human-like experience that is as effective as having a human coach or a human tutor and give you a very personalized curriculum. Yeah, maybe give us an example of of where this might be something of a of an online guide or some sort of it almost sounds like and I know a lot of software gets marketed this way but kind of like a guardian angel like I'm watching you maybe you should do this if you like a b and c and you've already clicked on this already or or yeah hit hit me with the example in terms of what that might look like I mean, it can be everything from helping you plan your dates or helping you figure out how to text back to a person <laughs> um, or helping you figure out how to write that email back to your boss. On the ed tech side, it could be delivering curriculum using your favorite characters from a TV show. For children, it can make learning much more interactive. If you like a certain color, if you like cars or cooking or pets or nature, the curriculum could actually use concepts that make it much more engaging, much more effective and personalized to your interests. Right, right. And I know from, you know, talking to a lot of professionals, especially in the banking space, there's been a certain amount of skepticism towards conversational AI coming from the very beginning of the pandemic. There was kind of a hype about chatbots, which is a very primitive version of the technology. Obviously, we've seen this blossom you know, even in the last few months, chat GPT and large language models are large language models and, and especially the, the latest and greatest ones kind of the real linchpin to, you know, making the big leap with these capabilities that, you know, right now they're at the point where they kind of handle a couple of questions while you're in line or, you know, you're on the website for Wells Fargo, but they're going to make this jump to teaching your kids. Are large language models the big difference there? 
They are. I mean, in terms of being able to allow for great personalization, and there's this new wave of LLMs called LLM agents, where they can actually do things for you. So learn your taste and actually do the booking and actually schedule the meeting or execute your financial trade or, or what have you, versus just giving you a bunch of suggestions to choose from. So I think we're going to see very, very fast evolution in the technology. Like it's getting better by the week. It's scary. <laughs> so by the time this, you know, is published, like who knows? Like there might be some new innovation that comes out again. But this level of personalization is is new. It's something we haven't seen before. This ability to create amazing curriculum, amazing content with very, very low cost is new. For sure. You were mentioning wellness, social fitness. Is that just tied into necessarily just like, you know, helping out on somebody's social calendar or does it go deeper than that? Oh, I think it can go much deeper. I mean, we all know traditionally, like if you have a personal fitness trainer that you have a real relationship right. with versus just the gym pass, you are much more likely to work out if you have a trainer. Same thing. Right. If you are learning language or learning piano, you can be incredibly disciplined and use an app and teach it to yourself. Or you can have a tutor or teacher that will make sure that you are doing your lesson, right? Or if you think about mm -hmm. go back to high school when all of us had to do SAT prep, right? <laughs> yes, you could just buy the book for $10 from Barnes & Noble and you can learn it yourself. Or you might have an SAT tutor that's quite expensive, but makes sure that you actually go through the curriculum. So that kind of encouragement, mm. that kind of motivation, that kind of accountability, I mm. think can be amplified using this type of technology. And there's different variations of it, right? Like you can have it completely driven by a chatbot, or you can have it by kind of a human assisted version, where a lot of the AI will help a human do that task at far greater scale. Of course. And even where you're only maybe dealing with an AI, I think it's going to be interesting to see the people who, who just need the information transfer in the form of a conversation. Or if their psychology with the teacher is, I need somebody who I can't let down, you know, at 4 a.m. to meet me at the gym. Because then maybe, maybe that'll need a human assistant. But you it know, could be a human assisted kind of sure. spot, right? Yeah. So, so in that sense, like traditionally, one human might only be able to service 20 people. Now they might be able to service 200 people, which right, dramatically right. drops the cost, which makes it much more accessible, which means more people can have access to these services. And, and this is, again, why I go back to my excitement around this technology is at Andreessen Horowitz, we believe that consumer tech lets you live your best life. It lets you access a life that previously only very rich people, for example, could access, right? And right. by democratizing technology, by democratizing access to these services or making it 10x cheaper, AI has the capability of doing that. Yes. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong or if there's a very serious edge to this, but it sounds like it's almost like the next phase is going to be, at least at least for this, you know, waiting to see, you know, can robots instill the shame of show up at, <laughs> at the gym at 6 a.m.? Or do you feel bad because you're letting down their human supervisor? I, I'm just using myself as an example because yeah. that's the only way I can get there. <laughs> but it could still be, again, that human who now has sure. 200 clients instead of 20. Right. How dare you miss a meeting on them? They have 200 <laughs> clients. 
but just a thought. What do you think the, the world will look like for consumer technology? Let's keep the timeline short, maybe next year in terms of these developments and as distribution, the dust starts to settle, especially from chat GPT. I think adoption will be pretty widespread. I mean, if you look at a lot of the AI tools today, they're growing faster than mm -hmm. other startups that we've seen in years past, right? The number of people who have now tried ChatGPT, it's astonishing how quickly that happened. My mom and dad, they're on it. Yeah. Already. They're on it already, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I don't talk to them about tech and startups. And so they found it on their own or, or through their friends. And so the the speed at which this type of technology is getting proliferation in society is amazing. Now, I think the challenge will still come to founders, though, on, in terms of distribution. How fragmented will the consumer AI space end up looking a year from now? That is still a, a TBD, I think, because a lot of the consumer experiences are not building their own models, they're leveraging other people's models. And so it's more around the user experience. It is around the personalization. It is around their distribution hacks and so forth. Yes, no, absolutely. And I and I appreciate especially, you know, especially in this climate, you know, and I and I know a prediction ask can be quite a tall order these days, but I think it's illuminating even for the audience just to even let them know that in this particular category, you know, these are the dynamics and we really don't know where things are going to look like in, in April 2024. But, but I, that just means maybe we'll have to have you back in, in six months when we have a clear idea. But you, you sound like you have you have a little more illumination on that. I was going to say, we're going to see a bunch of startups enter this category because, you know, all the founders that we're talking to recently, they all have an AI angle and they all have some type of AI strategy, which is great. Every company should have an AI strategy. But on top of that, you're also going to see the incumbents react and add AI experiences. And they already have the existing distribution of users. And so you'll also see large companies, I think, adapt to include more of these personalized experiences within the next year. Indeed. And I look forward to having you back on the show in six months to see if you were right. Connie, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. Wrapping up today's episode, Connie made a very, very useful point. I think a lot of folks, not just in consumer technology, in the wider media, and even beyond, even in big tech, have been talking about for a while, and that is the consolidation of social media. It might seem like something that's even obvious. All at the same time, I don't think we're quite understanding how far this is going to go and when it will stop and what things will look like and what that will mean, especially for marketers out there. Connie touched on those points really well in today's episode, along with talking about super apps. But does that mean we're going to be super connected? Color me surprised, and I'll wait till the jury comes back out. And I guess that's at the heart of what I think everyone misunderstands about the consolidation of social media. We are drifting farther apart, and I know people like to say that in the grand scheme of connectedness in the 21st century, feeling like we have all of these Facebook friends, but not a lot of people that we actually have dinner with at Thanksgiving. I'm not talking about that. Although I'm really talking about how technology is going to connect us all and make us feel like a unified culture. 
I think increasingly we're going to get so insular, even if it's with our own family members, even if it's with really narrow friendship connections, maybe even some online communities, but there's going to be a lot less FaceTime and there's going to be a lot less of time that we're going to spend in communities, especially where those communities and the point of them is going to be to communicate with each other. It's going to be a lot more concerts. It's going to be a lot more online events where you're in silos watching a screen almost by yourself, but with a little box in the corner that says 300,000 people. And I'm not sure that's going to facilitate communication the same way that we've had in communal spaces in real life as we've enjoyed since the dawn of time. That, I think, is a change we're not talking enough about. But we'll save that for another episode. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI in Business podcast. 